Welcome to the Connect to Marriage podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Nobody enjoys being with a proud person. The word conjures an image of someone who thinks too much of their own opinions and who may even deride others. But what does pride do to a marriage? Hello and welcome to the Connect to Marriage podcast. I'm Jo and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Connect to podcast, we'll be tackling questions that couples ask about marriage, communication, conflict and so much more. We hope you will keep tuning in to learn with us as you grow closer, deeper and stronger in your marriage. Now today, our topic is on the art of marriage. As we know, marriage is not a science, it's more like an art. And we are going to be exploring humility. Uh, that's quite an intriguing word and probably a new topic to many of us when it comes to marriage. Um, But you know, if you think about it, nobody enjoys being with a proud person, right? We have today our guests, Mark and his wife, Ailan. Now they have both been married for over 30 years. So they are very seasoned in this area of marriage. They are also our marriage trainers and they have been conducting marriage preparation courses since 2000. They are certified in marriage assessments. What's interesting actually is that Mark's full-time profession is a pastor and he takes care of congregation size of over a thousand in total. So that's probably, you know, a good few hundred marriages that are under his care. And his wife, Ailan, has been in the marketplace for all this while, but joined her husband in church um, five years ago. So they both now work together and I hope it's been smooth. Uh, They're looking at each other right now. verify how that journey has been. Um, but because they are our very seasoned marriage trainers, I'm going to get them to introduce each other. Sure. Maybe Joe, I just want to say something. I don't mind being married to a person who's proud because he's just so proud of me. And I'm so happy to have that, that situation, right? Thanks, dear. <laughs> Definitely correct. <laughs> Maybe dear, you want to start first by saying something about ourselves. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. We've been married for... Yeah, I thought you were going to return the compliment. Oh. oh that, that's uh, not what a proud yeah, person does. Later on in, in our talk, we will have lots of opportunity. <laughs> she's my hero, so nothing about her needing to be proud, but I'm proud of her, truly. Well, we've been married for 39 years. Yes. Yeah, we've got a daughter who's 28 years old. Uh, she's the joy of our life. She's in the health industry. She's a working one of the public hospitals, uh, and she's doing great ministering to people. And we are really happily married. We've gone through ups and downs early years, and we're enjoying marriage. And I, I would dare say that I still miss her if I don't see her around office. Yeah. 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 So, so we've been together since we were in our college days. We met in our college days. And then we had uh, this long period of courtship for about seven years before we got married. It's always been a honeymoon. Should I ask why seven years? Well, uh, why seven years? (laughs) (laughs) I had to go overseas for my study. I didn't do so well, so I had to go overseas. That is why in the conversation, you will know that my wife is the more talented one, is the stronger one intellectually. And I look up to her very often in in the journey of not only uh, in the secular workplace, but pastoring. She's really, literally a helpmate. It's good to hear that our marriage trainers were not holding back on marriage because the guy was just not proposing. <laughs> I had a problem, like in my case, you know, I had a problem with commitment and so, you know, gave some like very long like tenure before considering marriage. Yeah, but yeah, it's good I to I couldn't hear. wait to come back and marry her. You're basically, really a college sweetheart, right? Yes. Almost, yeah. You could yeah. say that. She yeah. was my first girlfriend. Ah. Yeah, mine too. I mean, he wasn't my girlfriend, but he was my, <laughs> <laughs> my first boyfriend. 
Yeah, so we had a long distance friendship. But I think what was very important was you asked the question, why seven years? Mm. And that is very much part of the picture of the humility that we developed. So one of the reasons why we held back uh, marrying earlier was because we honoured our parents. His parents felt that his elder brother had to be married first before us. So I think that formed the foundation, really, because we learned to respect our elders, we respect our parents, and in the process also learn to respect each other. It's interesting I'll say that nobody enjoys being a proud person and you say that actually it's good being married to a proud person, a person who's proud of you. And typically when we use the word proud, we will associate it with not so you know, positive connotations. Mm. Maybe to help us understand and get on the same page this podcast, how do we understand humility really? Is it the exact opposite of prideful person? Or what does that look like in marriage? Well, since he thinks I'm the more intellectual and the smarter one of the two, <laughs> uh, I actually cheated a little bit. I looked at the dictionary and all that. Oh, okay. And of course, um, if you look at humility, they always say it's the opposite of arrogance or pride. Yeah. But actually beyond anything, what we've learned about humility mm. is the capability or the capacity to put somebody else above our own needs, somebody else's desires, needs, wants, and all that above ourselves. And then uh, translating, I think, at the base of it all, the baseline of it all is actually honouring one another. So not quite the exact opposite of like a prideful or arrogant person, right? Joe, definitely. I think one of the early experiences that I have in remembering, you know, this person that I've fallen in love with during courtship days, in the early years of marriage, I went through a stage whereby I started to take her for granted. I was being rude to her. I was a bit, a lot more impatient. I realised I was nicer to other people than to her. Until, well, I'm a believer. I felt God just speaking to me and reminding me. I tell people God gave me a little slap on the face. And that woke me up and I says, hey, you know, this person that I've given to you, uh, you're supposed to love her, look after her and honour her. And that really helped me to begin to recognise my place next to her, to care for her to honour her and to respect her. And that helped a lot in, well, in the subject of learning to be humble and honouring her oh. above my own needs. But when you put your spouse or that person's needs before yourself, does it mean bending over backwards to meet every you know, women fancy or demand of the spouse? Okay, as a recipient of his love, I, I would say, no, it's not every demand that is met. One of the things that I hold dear is this advice for the wife to respect her husband mm. and to respect him as the head of the household. And regardless of our educational levels, regardless of how much we earn and so on and so forth, I look to him as mm. a leader. So that I have to recognise there are certain things. To set the record straight, I'm not really smarter or more intellectual than him. <laughs> it may be only in paper, but the way it has panned out is that I really appreciate the wisdom that comes from him. And so, yes, uh, there are many things that I would like to have or many demands or desires mm. which he may not have agreed to. But because of our agreement of him being the head of the household, I've learned to respect and honour him mm. in that mm. manner. He has reciprocated a lot. I mean, the one very instance is that because um, we have one daughter, 
And the history behind our daughter is that she actually is a birth by miracle. We waited so long upon her. We went to so many doctors, right, for yeah. such a long time. They couldn't find anything that was to be the cause of why we could not conceive. Mm. So finally, when we had her, she was so, of course, precious, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. This one thing I totally appreciate and that is the fact that he knows uh, my heart towards her and how having waited for her for so long. Mm -hmm. And so that's the one so-called, I, I guess I can call it demand or desire that he's always bent over for. And that is like, if we wanted to have, say, dates or mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I felt that I wanted, our daughter's name is Faith. So when I felt that I wanted Faith around, there was never a, a contention. There was never a, why must faith be with us on our holidays? Why must faith be with us on our dates? He just put that need first and I've learned to appreciate that over the many years. Yeah, being marriage counsellors, I mean, one of the things we actually advise couples is to make sure that they have their own date nights. And one of the things that I set out in the early years was, yes, okay, when the kid comes, must make sure you bring your wife out, you know, don't bring the kids along. Yeah. But uh, I was soon to discover that she was happier when the kid was around. And so mm. in terms of honouring her request, and we both enjoyed the time with her. You know, we were sitting around and talking. I think the three of us had a lot more fun than if there were only two of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I realised that when we begin to put the needs of the other person uh, first above our own, something happens in the family environment and atmosphere. We begin to see love in action because we start wanting to take care of the other person and honour the other person because you somehow you reap, well, almost you reap the benefit of that and you create a home environment that is healthy, that is very positive. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realised that when you give humility, you do get humility back. So, did you ever go on a date without your daughter? Marriage is one of the most rewarding things in life. Yet, navigating marriage as newlyweds or an engaged couple can sometimes get overwhelming. Whether it's managing expectations of the in-laws, getting a good grasp of your family finances, or establishing good habits of communication and healthy conflict. Focus on the Family Singapore's Marriage Preparation Program aims to help you build a solid foundation in the early years and prepare you for the adventure of your life. Visit family.org.sg slash C2 Marriage Prep for more information today. So I was about to say that because that kid is no longer a kid anymore. I mean, Faith, if you're listening, I'm so sorry to call you a kid. Yeah, yeah but you know, that daughter of us is no longer a child anymore. And in the 28 years, She's grown up, she's matured, and of course, there are many times when she's told us, I'm not going to be with you, just go on your dates. <laughs> so we've had our fair share of dates alone and with her as well. Okay, so it's mm. not that every date that, you know, the kid tags along. Yeah. I, so I just want to set this straight for our listeners okay. in case, because we too do encourage couples, you yes. know, even yes. after marriage to go on regular dates and yes. uh, time alone, just, you know, husband and wife. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But I mean, I hear you, Mark, about how when we consider the other person's, our spouse's needs before yes. ours, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't mean that we have to stick yeah. to the rules or the letter of the law to that. You degree. are right, Joe. You are so right. Yeah. 
Maybe if I can ask another question, because I think this would be of interest. You know, it's been talked about actually out there in, in society about men marrying up versus marrying down. How does that work? Or maybe how would humility help such a situation? Okay, maybe I will say from my viewpoint, I come from a family of four other siblings. I think one of the things that my parents have been very proud of me was marrying her because I think she's a great daughter-in-law. I think my parents just really adore her. I think they love her more than me. (laughs) (laughs) That is totally good. And I think one of the things that I really treasured about the culture of learning that we adopted in our family of learning to honour others. And I remember when I was in New Zealand studying, I was away from my family and uh, even though Ireland was really fairly new, uh, she would very often pop over to my parents, check with my parents, and uh, one of the things I totally appreciate my youngest sister, uh, because she, uh, Ailan is strong academically, she will go and give tuition to my sister. And I know that sometimes it's a bit difficult because she doesn't like a dog. And there's always this dog that is just really lying down and just below the table. And she will just do it. And I know that that was out of love and honour for my family. Mm-hmm. And if I think that, you know, it's, she's somebody I look up to, there are so many reasons I say that she has done so well and I'm blessed really to have her as my partner for life. I think it's never been an issue with us. We've never even given a thought to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, factually, yes, I may have had a slightly higher educational level and I may have had a higher income. Yeah, but it's never been an issue. It's never been a point. We've never thought about it. It's never been an issue. In fact, I take it upon it as a strength in my partner. I'm not so good because I come from a school that might not be so good in English. My helpmate helps me to be a better person. You know, she corrects my writing. She helps me through the years and why not? You know, that is a strength and I honour her and I appreciate her for that. I think what was more important is that we discover each other's strengths and of course the areas that we're not so strong in and we learn to complement each other. And that was what brought the beauty in everything that we did, whether it was a family situation or whether we were just enjoying ourselves, like, you know, with our daughter when she was growing up. And even up to now, the way we interact with her actually shows you very much a balance of our strengths and our not-so-good areas. But she totally enjoys it and we can see that she actually has the best of both worlds. Just to put some reality into the whole situation, you've been married for almost 40 years actually, right? Yeah. Surely not every day has been this like, <laughs> this loving and this honouring and how giving. Yeah. And <laughs> we were preparing for this and we were just thinking through all the years and I remembered this incident when uh, me and my sister were studying in New Zealand and uh, Ilan came over for a holiday. And we had this really run-down car. You know, when you're a student, you, are, you live very cheaply, you know. It was a $500 car. And one of the things about this car is that sometimes it doesn't start and you have to push that, you know. (laughs) And me being the guy, you will know what to do. And sometimes in having to push that, the car, uh, you need somebody to push and the stronger guy has to push and the lady has to be the one driving. And I gave her such a hard time and then the Lord convicted me because I was like, after you push with all your strength and then she doesn't get the gear correct and the car doesn't start, I'm like, what again? You know, I'm going to put in all the energy. And on deep reflection, I, I knew that I was wrong. I was imposing on her something that I was probably good in, but I was uh, demanding something that she might not be so strong in. And that itself was a lesson in me having to recognize that there are things that she's good in and I want to cheer her on that. 
And there are things I may be good in, I shouldn't be proud, but I want to recognize that she might take some time and she might need some help. And I think that's through the years we've learned to tailor that along the way. It sounds yeah. like perspective is really key. Just to even look at the situation, it's about our partners, our spouses' strengths complementing ours. Although I thought you were going to say, Mark, that Alan was helping you to develop your muscle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Definitely, I felt a bit more muscular from there. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to address what we usually do in each podcast and that is to answer a question that couples will have about marriage and today's question is this my spouse says I should be more humble when I want to share about what I did at work and the recognition of successes I experienced uh, I feel like I'm only sharing these stories because I'm happy about them and I want to share my joy so does humility mean I can't talk about my successes with my spouse? I'll try to answer yes. that because uh, Ailan has been in the secular for a long time. She was in Media Corp. She was in a printing company. Uh, then she was in a healthcare company oh. uh, in a, quite a senior position. And uh, I know what she does over there, the kind of responsibilities. And so when she comes back and she begins to share, uh, one of the things I've learned about honouring one another is I really cheer her on. You know, it's not so much her coming back and telling me, guess what I did? I'm in charge of so many people, but I, I celebrate with her the wins that she gets in her life. Oh. And I think the moment we learn to do that, uh, it becomes a culture in our family whereby we learn to celebrate each other's so-called success. That then leaves very little room for us having to try to boast and tell the other party how good we are because the other one is looking at wow you you're doing so good i'm so mm. proud of you out there mm. and i think that itself oh it's a win uh, the, we said that when one loses both losers but when one wins both wins if we got the mm. right thing going for us but what if like in this context i don't know whether like this this question that came in is also because perhaps when the spouse is celebrating something actually you're in a Position or lousy. circumstance that, yeah, you just feel lousy, right? Uh, I mean, I'm quite sure my having to take care of so many people in your church. Um, uh, as far as I know, it, you know, you'll probably come back and this is what it means, right? To, to do uh, work that caters to lives and actually you might have more grouses than celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so if your spouse comes back and, you know, it's just full of like wonderful victory stories, but you just... Yeah. I, I think the reality is whatever we work in, whether it's uh, in the marketplace or whether it's in the context of a religious organization, mm -hmm. uh, there will always be occasions for failures, uh, mm -hmm. occasions where there are downs and mm -hmm. occasions where there are ups. It's just uh, learning how to bring it back and how to maybe... Uh, I mean, I would admit that there are occasions when truly, when I uh, talk about the successes, it's probably from a boastful attitude. Mm. And that's that's where it is good that I, I have a husband who is open enough to tell me that this is really not something to celebrate. <laughs> You're just being boastful or something like that. Or he does warn me of pitfalls. Mm. Like sometimes I may get too complacent, the successes may come in a row. Mm. And that's where he's the other eye, the person who tells me that, but you watch out for this. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that this will roll on for long. That there, there could be a possibility that this may not be a success for long and you yeah. have to watch out for this. So this is where we bounce off each other and learn. But I think the other thing is, uh, you're right, there are times when it's not 
the right time to share your success or to share something that happens so happily at work when you, uh, your husband or your spouse is going through a tough time. La. That's when you learn to bite your tongue and just say, uh, wait for the right occasion to be able to share it. That's mm-hmm. good, yeah. So wise. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether I should like, oh, uh, like, cringe. But <laughs> 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 um, well, we're going to talk in the next episode, the next half about, you know, the really practical do's and don'ts of mm. how to really practice humility in marriage. Mm. But mm. we're going to leave our listeners with our couple challenge for today. So if you're listening to this podcast with your spouse, would you take an extra just five minutes at the end of this episode to share with each other one way that you can put the other person before yourself, where you prefer the other person and put that person, your spouse's needs before your own. Okay, um, now we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Our next conversation on the art of marriage, exploring humility. We'll zoom in on the benefits of humility, the do's and don'ts, so do tune in to that. If you know a friend or a couple who are newly married or getting married this year, do direct them to check out our upcoming workshops in March and May. So visit family.org.sg slash C2 Marriage Prep to find out more. And for more marriage content, do visit our website at family.org.sg slash connect2 with the number 2. We hope you have followed and subscribed to the Connect2 podcast and do share it with a friend who can also benefit from it. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our guests, uh, Mark and Ailan. And until next time, do take care of yourself and your spouse.